Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gods and goddesses, to the Golden Age Gurus Podcast, your source for regenerative, entrepreneurial, and eco-friendly global solutions using ancient future strategies that focus on healing ourselves, our community, and the planet. Now, it is truly an honor to introduce your host, Baba John. This is Baba John, your friendly neighborhood podcasting man, up and at him. I'm in the middle of uh, finals here in law school, but I still have found the time to interview one of my favorite mentors, Gary Liss, uh, who, who I met when he was hired by Austin to design their zero waste plan. I was so inspired. I uh, flew him out to Dallas and we trained the city of Dallas, um, trained the city of Fort Worth, Denton. And I went on kind of a tour talking to cities all over the U.S. and pretty much did that for a couple years just because I was so inspired by the impact that the strategy of Zero Waste has. It, General Motors adopted it and saved billions at their all their manufacturing facilities. Um, it's just a super powerful goal, green goal that has the economics behind it. It's based on uh, pretty much reuse, which is way more powerful than recycling. And um, we're going to talk about uh, landfill replacements and why burning the garbage is not recycling the garbage um, and and how to uh, make a plan or where to go to get the knowledge to make a plan for your community. So I'm really excited to have Gary on. Uh, he's, an, he's a hero uh, of mine. And um, I, I recorded this podcast uh, from my car and my audio uh, it was on bluetooth and my audio is not that great but you can hear gary just fine so i apologize for my bad audio uh on my end but i i hopefully didn't talk that much so without further ado uh i would like to introduce to you gary liss This show is brought to you on Patreon, where creators are supported by their tribe. For the cost of a latte, you can support the show and my advocacy around fringe legal topics ranging from zero waste and Bitcoin to matters of spirit. I'm committed to serving mankind by providing thousands of years of ancestral wisdom. Learn from my gurus, join my network, and get exclusive content. We have a free tier so you don't have to worry about money. A support tier for just a few bucks and an apprentice level for aspiring Jedi interested in my mystery school and nature-based ministry. We have a VIP business tier for CEOs who want their own wizard. Just remember, King Arthur had a Merlin and Queen Elizabeth had her John Dee. 
Historically, I've charged way more as a consultant, but while I wrap my last year of law school, I'm willing to help just to get this new platform going. You'll have access to me with the Voxer app and get access to the advocacy launchpad and Discord. Sponsorship is sold separate. If you're interested, message and visit patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash golden age gurus. Follow for free and support if you can. Well, Gary Liss, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Um, Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Are you in California right now? Yeah, home in uh, Loomis, California. And and that's where uh, you started the journey we're going to talk about, right? California is pretty advanced for zero waste. Can can you tell us how um, you got you got on the zero waste bandwagon and, and your story? Well, uh, zero waste bandwagon started back in the 1990s, and um, I was executive director of the um, California Resource Recovery Association. And, um, we were looking at uh, trying to push the envelope, get people to think beyond recycling, um, to focus on reducing uh, wasting and to uh, reuse products and packaging more. And uh, this concept came over from um, uh, Australia. Uh, Canberra, the capital of Australia, adopted a, a goal of no waste by 2010. And that morphed into the idea of zero waste. Um, and that was back in the 1990s. Um, the Grassroots Recycling Network was set up in the United States, largely in response to the um, um, conservative uh, effort uh, to um, reduce environmental protection laws. And uh, we set up a list serve called Green Yes uh, to push back and say, we're for green and need to uh, uh, support that. And um, the Grassroots Recycling Network uh, worked uh, with um, uh, CRRA, the California Resource Recovery Association, uh, to help develop an agenda for the new millennium, which included uh, the concept of zero waste uh, for the first time um, back in 1997 at the Monterey uh, CRA conference that was uh, revealed and uh, and adopted by the CRRA board. And ever since then, um, we've been promoting zero waste in California and, um, and developed through the Grassroots Recycling Network training programs for uh, zero waste professionals um, ever since. Yep, and I can vouch I have participated in and some of those trainings, and uh, they're really good. So, so basically, what what happens is is the the cities that adopt zero waste they they go from wasting to resource recovery, and they they basically change the whole operation from wasting to resource recovery. And. Uh, Exactly. And the, the goal, again, is, is uh, we want to encourage recycling and composting. But even before uh, that, we want people to think about um, 
why is it being wasted in the first place? Why is something being thrown away and discarded uh, for no valuable uh, purpose? Um, if there's, uh, uh, and why was it created? Um, uh, 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 why was that material uh, created in the first place? Could we do an alternate design that didn't use um, <clears throat> products that would be wasted uh, along the way? So it's all about redesign, um, um, refusing to uh, be wasteful and uh, focusing on uh, uh, reuse of uh, uh, products and packaging uh, before even going to the last resorts of recycling and composting. So what, what cities uh, have you worked on? We've worked all over the country, uh, everywhere from Los Angeles to uh, Boston, um, uh, Baltimore. Uh, we're working on a zero waste plan now for uh, Washington, D.C. Um, we've uh, been involved with small communities. Uh, the first zero waste plan in the nation was uh, developed in Del Norte County, California, the, um, the, the uh, most northernmost county in California. Um, we've uh, uh, worked on uh, Austin, Texas, was one of the first major cities outside of California uh, where we worked on zero waste. Um, and we, uh, again, have been working on uh, small communities, suburban areas, um, uh, major cities. Uh, now, every major city uh, on the East Coast has adopted zero waste goals, including um, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, um, all, all those have uh, uh, adopted zero waste goals, and we've helped on a number of them uh, develop uh, zero waste uh, plans. We've also worked on zero waste plans for businesses, uh, zero waste plans for uh, uh, colleges and universities, and uh, um, working on certifying zero waste facilities uh, working with the U.S. Green Building Council on their true zero waste program, which stands for Total Resource Use and Efficiency. And I'm an assessor under that program, and um, we work to um, uh, certify facilities all over the world um, uh, that have been uh, meeting international standards developed by the Zero Waste International Alliance of what zero waste means. Yeah, so that, that site is uh, Zawia, right? Zawia.org? Uh-huh. Z-W-I-A.org is the Zero Waste International Alliance. Uh, we're, um, one of the things um, that we've really focused on in recent years is the hierarchy of highest and best use to guide people on what um, uh, they should be thinking about when they are deciding on how to approach uh, handling different materials that are discarded. And uh, you want to go to the top of the hierarchy and fo focus on redesign, uh, reducing, reusing first uh, before moving on to recycling and composting. Yeah, composting seems to be the, the lowest hanging fruit most of the time since it's, uh, it's usually the most, um, it's most of the, the waste stream, right? Exactly. Typically, um, the compostables are 40 to 50 percent of all the materials that are discarded by a business, by communities, um, counties. 
Um, so um, these days, it's really important to uh, figure out how to do um, implement the composting in your area. Uh, the, uh, composting is the only place where there's actually an, a, a national goal uh, to reduce food scraps um, being wasted in the country by 50% by the year 2030. Uh, there's also a new national recycling strategy uh, just adopted last year. Uh, that um, uh, Next week is the one-year anniversary of uh, uh, the national recycling strategy adoption, and the uh, uh, the EPA uh, now is uh, very well funded to help uh, develop uh, facilities, outreach and education programs all over the country uh, with funding from the um, bipartisan infrastructure law uh, that was adopted last year and this year's Inflation Reduction Act. Awesome. Well, when I met you, I met you in Austin when you were working on that plan. And um, I was so excited. And um, I, I recently heard that Austin ended up being, uh, that, that um, initiative ended up being pretty expensive. Um, what, what, do you, what do you say to that? Like, why did, why did, did, it, did it go right or did it go over budget? Like, like what happened there? Because I've heard people in the waste industry just kind of brush it off. Like, oh, yeah, man, that was so expensive. Well, I, I'm, I, I don't know all the details of the current economics in Austin, uh, but um, um, the, the big winners are businesses. Every zero-waste business we've uh, worked with or documented has saved money. They save the most money by eliminating wasteful practices, um, by that redesign and reduce uh, focus. They save the next most amount of money through setting up reuse systems. Uh, Toyota, uh, for example, saved a billion dollars over 10 years by um, coming up with uh, reusable shipping containers instead of the uh, um corrugated um, uh, containers that they use to ship parts in uh, previously. Um, so, uh, and you can save some money at businesses and institutions um, if the recycling rates and garbage rates are structured right in, in uh, communities. And by structuring right, uh, I mean that the, uh, the charges for wasting uh, to go to landfill or incineration or waste energy uh, are higher should be higher than the cost to um, uh, recycle and compost. And uh, most communities have a, a an ability to influence how those rates are structured. For residential uh, services, um, there. Uh, there are new costs involved in implementing uh, the new services like recycling and composting. Um, for <clears throat> new recycling services, um, a lot has to do with the value of the materials collected. And over um, uh, the, the last five years, uh, the value of the materials collected had gone down dramatically um, when the markets, market prices for sale of those collected materials went down due to China implementing new regulations saying 
um, that um, basically eliminated most of recycling from around the world going to China. Um, and they called it the National Sword, the Green Fence, and the Blue Sky Initiative, uh, all of which were trying to say, we don't want uh, your crummy materials because you haven't been sorting it well and you're sending us uh, materials that have 30 to 40% contamination or residue uh, that costs us to dispose of, um, and we don't want that anymore. Um, what happened in China is they used the, those materials that came from around the world to build a circular economy in China um, that uh, now uh, gets 75% of its materials from within China. Uh, so they don't need all this material coming in from outside anymore. Uh, and they don't want to have to dispose of uh, materials that uh, are not recyclable. Uh, so that dramatically changed the marketplace. Um, but uh, within uh, Austin, um, we've seen uh, a billion dollars of investment in uh, recycling activities. Um, um, the Office of uh, Economic Development in Austin has documented those benefits. Um, so uh, um, when you talk about the high costs of the program in Austin, I think it's um, it needs to be uh, thought of in comparison to what uh, had been happening with all those materials being landfilled um, and um, uh, having indirect costs, indirect impacts on the environment uh, from gas coming out of landfills and uh, leachate coming out of landfills um, that are not well regulated uh, uh, in most places in the country. Um, so what may be happening is you may be uh, no longer uh, going to cheap landfills, and therefore some prices may be going up because of that. Um, but the um, uh, and and because the market prices for the value of the materials collected for recycling decreased over the last uh, five years, uh, that may have resulted in the residential system being more costly than it had been. Um, but it probably reflects what are the true costs of those um, uh, materials being discarded. Uh, and it underscores why redesign and, um, and uh, reducing um, and, and uh, reusing is so important. And I know that's one of the reasons why there's a huge new movement uh, for people to become um, models of uh, zero waste lifestyle. Uh, and if you Google zero waste lifestyle or zero waste living, you'll find all sorts of uh, examples of uh, people who are, are living a zero waste life and um, um, showing the way for others uh, to follow suit. Yes, sir. I also uh, recall uh, resource recovery in Austin seemed to be like scaling pretty fast and hiring a lot of people. So I think they'd, they'd probably just um, 
put too much, too many resources into, you know, growing the government instead of working with the uh, local businesses more. Um, one, one of one of the uh, people that I that that has had a business um, capitalized on the on the movement and started uh, the, the compost company, Organics. And um, I know Mr. Gosh did pretty well. He saw zero waste coming, set up the infrastructure for the for the composting, and um, sold sold the company for for millions. So you know, there's a lot of opportunity in the and for businesses to be on board, but the the governments have to uh, work with them and not compete with them. Uh, based on what I've, I've seen. Yeah, uh, de definitely. Uh, Phil Gosh uh, came to our early uh, planning efforts for the Zero Waste Plan in Austin uh, back around 2005, 2006, I believe it was. And um, uh, we, we had a, a meeting looking at uh, uh, what could be done to handle um, organics uh, compostables differently in, in Austin. And uh, he attended that um, meeting because we had reached out to uh, folks that were working on, um, on uh, food issues in Austin and food access issues. And uh, he was involved with those. Um, he um, came to those meetings, heard us talk about we needed these new services for composting. And when we came back about three years later to do the um, Austin Resource Recovery Master Plan, we found he had leased a um, major site, hundreds of acres outside of Austin um, to do the composting, had a hundred different clients in downtown Austin that he was collecting their food scraps from and taking it out and composting it. And it was a great <clears throat> uh, example of where the public policy discussion um, to develop the zero waste plan, actually, just through the discussion, led to the private investment by Mr. Gosh, and uh, um, and he did, uh, as you say, uh, really well. Uh, there's been some other great um, programs uh, in the Austin area, uh, including Balcones Recycling Material Recovery Facility, uh, which is um, now recognized as a national leader and um, the Texas disposal systems, uh, uh, adding lots of recycling and composting services at their landfill south of uh, Austin. So, so if a, a city or a business wants to go zero waste, what, what is the uh, cost for a plan usually run, running these days? Um, for for a city uh, zero waste plan, um, they've ranged um, in recent years from uh, I'd say fifty thousand dollars to uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, depending on the size of the city, the scope of work, um, what they how they want to approach it. Um, we do provide a, a model scope of work for cities wanting to develop the zero waste plan that. Um, um, they can include in a request for proposals um, that uh, <clears throat> some communities have done that. Um, the um, um, businesses um, uh, will vary on, on how much uh, 
how how large they are and uh, um, it's the ones that have actually done plans are uh, usually larger corporations that have adopted the zero waste goal for the company and are starting to implement it, rolling it out around the company, um, uh, either nationally or globally. And um, uh, to um, in the business world, I would say that mo- most of those um, efforts have been done without plans. Uh, they just start doing stuff and keep doing more with continuous improvement um, and and using existing budgeting and planning internal processes, but not a comprehensive uh, uh, plan. Uh, for places where we've done uh, zero waste plans for businesses or colleges and universities, it's been uh, probably on the order similar to the uh, uh, communities. Again, it's been more the larger scale uh, locations, so it's been um, more on the order of uh, 35 to um, to fifty thousand dollars is what. Um, um, a comprehensive plan um, has costs for some major uh, locations. For somebody that wants to uh, steer steer the ship in that direction for their organization or their community, how would they go about doing that? And what what kind of argument or uh, could they make on behalf of zero waste? Uh, the, the first thing is to go to the National Zero Waste Conference. Um, zwconference.org is the website. Uh, that's coming up the, this year, November 30th and December 1. It's all virtual, um, and it's organized this year by the Zero Waste USA, which is the new name for the Grassroots Recycling Network. And um, there's... Um, the first day is focused on zero waste businesses, and the second day is focused on zero waste communities. And uh, there's uh, a lot of information um, uh, that's presented there. Um, I helped organize <clears throat> zero waste conferences the last two years as well, um, um, and they are there's a lot of information available from those past conferences as far as their slides and presentations. Um, at, as well. Uh, Zero Waste USA also does more um, uh, direct training, like the training that you went through, uh, John, um, which has an intro to zero waste class. Uh, but we also now have a zero waste associates training, uh, which is the equivalent of three of our old classes. The, the intro class has usually been a four to six hour class. And um, the Zero Waste Associates training is now um, a series of uh, classes. Uh, before the pandemic, we were doing them in person. Now we're doing them virtually. And uh, uh, the next uh, cohort for the Zero Waste Associates training um, is, is coming up uh, beginning in uh, February or March uh, 2023. And it's usually done uh, over a, about a three-month period. Uh, that um, with uh, several <clears throat> uh, two-hour uh, classes virtually and then work on homework in between the classes. Uh, the neat thing about the Zero Waste Associates training, it's good for both communities and businesses. And <clears throat> the outcome is developing a zero waste plan. 
So everyone that goes through that training um, has the experience of uh, uh, developing a plan uh, and using some of the tools that we've now developed to help people uh, develop zero waste plans for businesses and communities. Um, so the zero waste associates training um, uh, would be um, getting further into uh, the experience of actually doing it so that by the time people get out of that class, they're feeling more comfortable to be part of a planning process uh, in their community, in their business, or overseeing one uh, done by others. Have you ever heard of the book, The Richest Man in Babylon? If not, you can check it out in the bookstore. But it's a classic business book that reveals the key to personal wealth. And it's basically saving 10% every month. So the way I like to save is in gold and silver with Mint Builder. I've been using Mint Builder for years. I've created a system where my savings plan pays for itself by signing up people who want to save and start a silver bank account, which ships physical coin out every month based on their budget. The author of The Richest Man in Babylon says that magic number is 10% of your income. Now you can build your legacy with the best pricing on metal assets while helping the nonprofit Feed My Starving Children, which uses 90% of donations for food to stop malnutrition in over 100 countries around the world. Thank you for considering Milk Builder to build your wealth and feed hungry children. You can go to preciousmetaltrends.com forward slash 102026. Complete the form and claim your free silver bullion bar just for taking our short tour and brief survey. Uh, Zero, Zero Waste USA helped develop a, um, a, a certification process for certifying facilities as whether they're meeting international standards. Uh, they helped to form the U.S. Zero Waste Business Council in 2012. Uh, that council ran for six years, actually uh, four years, uh, and in 2016, the U.S. Green Building Council acquired the assets of the U.S. Zero Waste Business Council, and then in 2017, rebranded that certification program as the True Zero Waste uh, uh, Rating System, True standing for Total Resource Use and Efficiency. And um, so now they've done over 250 certifications around the world um, um, as the true program. They have assessors like me that review materials submitted by businesses and institutions and communities uh, um, that operate facilities um, that uh, confirm that they're diverting over 90% of their material from landfills and incinerators and waste energy, uh, and that they're um, uh, focused on the hierarchy of highest and best use of reducing, reusing, recycling, and uh, uh, composting in that order. Um, so the certification uh, of, um, of facilities um, is another great tool that we now have uh, for um, ensuring that there's not greenwashing going on and uh, that they're doing the right stuff. By contrast, you may hear the term zero waste to landfill, and any time you hear that phrase, 
uh, you need to question, well, does that mean that it all goes to burning? Um, and you need to ask that question. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Uh, the true zero waste um, and the Zero Waste International Alliance of all the zero waste leaders in the world uh, are in agreement that uh, burning our resources is not zero waste. Uh, so you have to be really careful. If you hear the phrase zero waste to landfill, total, um, uh, no landfill, landfill free, those are all clues that they may be burning the stuff and that's not a good idea. Uh, and that includes pyrolysis. Um, um, bur burning is defined by the Zero Waste International Alliance as anything, any, anything that's over 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So it may be called incineration, waste to energy, pyrolysis, gasification, solvolysis, um, um, chemical recycling, advanced recycling. Uh, there's all sorts of names for all sorts of technologies. And if they're thermal processes, Zero Waste International Alliance says they're not recycling, they're not zero waste, don't go there. Yeah, I met a uh, company in, in Mexico called Pet Gas that, um, you know, is setting up gas station pumps, you know, when the gas was really high uh, a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I went to a, a conference in, in Mexico and, and um, talked to Pet Gas. You know, uh, these were really sustainable-minded, you know, people, and they were really excited about this um, company. And, and the gas was really high, and you know, it's it's definitely. But I remembered your your teachings, and um, so I was not. Um, uh, you know, swayed, but, uh, I did, I did note that all the young, uh, sustainability, uh, professionals were, were really thinking it was a good idea. And, um, you know, it, I, I remember in, in Dallas when, when we were trying to get a resource recovery part going, cause I had a, somebody that was turning tires into fuel, um, the uh, Texas campaign for the environment came after me a little bit. Right. <laughs> I, I, even though I didn't, I didn't, um, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I, I, I hate that to happen to, to projects that have the right, you know, they're trying to do the right thing. And next thing you know, they have um, a PR problem because they're using some kind of pyrolysis technology. Right. And, and there, there's a lot of efforts by, by the American Chemical Society uh, to <clears throat> get legislation adopted around the country uh, calling chemical recycling or advanced recycling as something that, um, they, that should be encouraged and provided incentives. And um, ISRI, the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries, and uh, uh, Zero Waste International Alliance both spoke at the National Recycling Congress this week, highlighting that um, those technologies are neither advanced nor recycling. <laughs> um, uh, they're, they're different. And, and um, ISRI and Zero Waste International Alliance support chemical processing new technologies that process uh, plastics into 
um, other types of materials for material use in industry. Um, and there's some real innovation going on in that field. But unfortunately, uh, most of the chemical recycling, things that are called chemical recycling and advanced recycling are thermal processes, uh, burning and destroying the resources rather than reusing and recycling those back into the economy. And um, uh, those are some of the reasons why um, uh, we're, some of the groups I'm involved with are now opposing chemical recycling and advanced recycling terminology. And uh, it, for me, it's more, more about the emissions and the health, effect, health effects um, on people surrounding the facilities, um, those that work in the facilities as well. And the, um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, there's only a few air pollution emissions that are regulated by the government. Um, there's hundreds of emissions that come out of mixed waste being thermally processed uh, that are not regulated. And um, uh, those are the ones that uh, are particularly uh, noxious and can create um, things like dioxin and um, um, that, are, that are some of the most toxic uh, materials ever designed by man or womankind. Uh, so it's really um, uh, the health impacts um, for me that are most persuasive that um, the, the thermal systems, particularly for mixed waste, uh, is, is um, um, the wrong way to go. And it costs a lot of money and has actually bankrupted some cities uh, uh, that went down that path. Yeah, I remember you, you gave me the economics. Um, it was something like per, per 10,000 tons. Um, of waste that's landfilled, it, it, it creates like one job and recycling creates, you know, a little bit more, but I, can, can you go through those numbers real quick? Just yeah, um, I'm glad you remember that. So uh, uh, for every 10,000 tons of material, um, uh, landfill and, and burning creates uh, one job, um, Composting creates four jobs for that amount of material of the compostables. Uh, recycling creates 10 uh, jobs and reusables uh, going into the reuse economy uh, generate 75 to 250 jobs. So it's, it's why in Zero Waste we don't only focus on the amount of tons diverted from landfills and incinerators, we also focus on reinvesting those resources into the local economy, providing quality products at affordable prices for those most vulnerable in our society. Um, so thrift stores, um, Goodwill, Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul, um, uh, providing uh, resources and clothing and furniture and, and uh, appliances and construction uh, products um, uh, like the restores around the country um, are, are all examples of um, uh, ones that uh, you employ a lot of people and generate and maintain a lot of value coming out of those discarded materials and, and products. When we did the LA Zero Waste Plan in Los Angeles, 
uh, we found that of all the um, um, materials that were still being discarded, 40% of the value of recovering those materials were from um, 4% of the total materials that were the reusables. So reuse is where the jobs are, is where the future is for um, reinvesting those resources in the local economy. And there's been a particular effort since the pandemic, particularly for reusable foodware, um, reusable systems um, uh, for beverages, and um, trying to really tackle um, uh, getting uh, reuse, reuse systems in place to make it uh, um, uh, more accessible and easier for people to participate in reuse systems. Yeah, and, and fr from that conversation is, is basically uh, a landfill alternative known as a, a resource recovery park. Can you... Uh, exactly. The, the resource recovery parks are the place uh, that could locate all, all these different types of um, um, programs and, and businesses. Uh, so um, having uh, reuse, different types of reuse businesses, having a, a Goodwill trailer or a, uh, um, or a reuse warehouse at, at, the, uh, uh, at, at one location uh, called a resource recovery park uh, that would co-locate with recycling operations, with composting operations. In order to build a zero waste future, we need places to process the materials, take them, and 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 uh, make them and recover the value um, of what's been discarded. And the resource recovery park is uh, is recognizing what's naturally occurring all over the country and all over the world that near landfills, on or near landfills, and transfer stations. Um, uh, they're adding reuse functions, recycling functions, uh, composting functions, uh, C&D recycling, um, and other activities, um, charms, centers for hard-to-recycle materials that deal with electronic waste and, and uh, some, uh, styro uh, some plastics like styrofoam that are hard to collect um, on, on a route. Um, and the resource recovery parks can locate all of those businesses in one place. They, the businesses and nonprofits can share resources, can share equipment, can share uh, accountants and attorneys and, and um, uh, get grants together. Um, and um, uh, it just is like a, a combination of an industrial park and a shopping center. Um, if, you, if it's done right, so that you can not only have the materials come in and be processed, but also make those materials and products available for people to reuse them, uh, like the last chance um, uh, mercantile at the Monterey, California uh, landfill um, uh, provides a reuse warehouse, essentially, for all sorts of reusables to be, uh, when people drop off their materials for recycling, they can pick up reusables to take home uh, that are so valuable for them uh, uh, that they are all excited about finding them. Uh, so the Resource Recovery Parks is a great tool for uh, finding um, uh, siting of facilities uh, that are needed for building the zero waste future. Yay, why man? All right, we'll sign you up. 
so 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 what's what's the latest um hot news latest hot news is there's money available <laughs> billions and billions of money uh in america because of the bifrost bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act and other ongoing federal programs. Um, so EPA has money uh, for pollution prevention, for brownfields uh, um, uh, development, for uh, um, uh, recycling facilities, for composting, for reuse operations. Um, uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture has money for composting, particularly urban composting and fertilizer um, alternative projects. And um, U.S. Department of Energy has a lot of money for battery recycling, about $6 billion for battery recycling and uh, uh, recycling and research and development. Um, USDOE Department of Energy is also working on uh, plastics recycling. Um, uh, because that's a uh, derivative of uh, those that are uh, uh, mining uh, gas and, and oil. Um, so um, many of the federal agencies have, have been funded through those um, Inflation Reduction Act and Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. And um, uh, all of that started flowing earlier this year. I'm on the board uh, as an honorary board member of the National Recycling Coalition as well. And National Recycling Coalition has worked with Zero Waste USA and the Institute for Local Self-Reliance to form uh, the Re Recycling is Infrastructure 2 campaign uh, to promote um, getting uh, recycling funded as part of the infrastructure efforts um, last year. Um, and uh, when that was successful, we've been promoting um, what money is available and when and how to apply for that. Uh, we just had a great presentation at the National Recycling Congress by Bob Geddert on um, all the different programs available. And we had Nina Shaw there um, as well, who's in charge of the um, Resource Conservation and Recovery um, Division of the US EPA in Washington. And um, um, they highlighted all the different uh, funding that's, that's coming uh, uh, available. Um, Jay Bassett was on a, a session, uh, retired from EPA, is now on the NRC board, the National Recycling Coalition board. He highlighted some other funding for environmental justice and highlighted the Justice 40 initiative that uh, the Biden administration has uh, um, committed that 40% of all the um, bipartisan infrastructure law um, um, uh, funding would go to disadvantaged communities, which include urban areas, rural areas, and, and underserved areas. Uh, it's a new definition of a target. Uh, so it really targets um, uh, uh, some really important aspects of people that have been left out and underserved to date. Uh, could get funding for uh, programs uh, uh, through many of these bills. And the Justice 40 is saying 40% of all that money has to go to the disadvantaged communities. So uh, this is the first time in my generation, uh, uh, first time in 40, 50 years, 
that we're seeing this level of commitment and funding from the federal government. Uh, to find that information, you go to grants.gov, G-R-A-N-T-S dot G-O-V, um, and you can put in a keyword of what you're looking for, like recycling, and it'll highlight all the different federal programs that are currently available. You could also um, uh, get uh, copies of the uh, past webinars uh, from the Recycling is Infrastructure 2 campaign at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance website, ilsr.org, um, and um, search for uh, Recycling is Infrastructure 2 campaign, and it has a list, um, the recordings of all those uh, uh, recent uh, webinars. So that's new and very exciting. Well, all right, the uh, car cut my Bluetooth off and I got disconnected there at the end, but I'll uh, put some links in for Gary. He says, bye and thank you. And uh, yeah, so that that uh, recording, you know, had some, some issues since I did it from the car's Bluetooth, but I think we made this happen. Uh, essentially, the interview is just fine. And if you have any questions, uh, email Gary or myself or both. Um, I'm in Texas, so if you need, and I did do the, the associate training, uh, and I can help you with your uh, waste analysis, or we can get him on deck. Uh, either way, I also put a zero waste kit in the show notes, um, things that I use in my house to go zero waste. At a, at a household level, starts at home. You just start small. Uh, you don't have to go zero ways from the beginning. You, you start small and you work your way up and, you know, get a baseline, measure uh, how many bags of trash are you taking out a week and, and set the goal and then start working on it. You know, you can buy things uh, like reusable glass bottles instead of plastic bottles. The first step is just to reduce your waste. Don't buy plastic uh, if you can help it. So um, I'll go to the shopping store and take my own bags, you know, things like that. So uh, yeah, I have a zero waste kit and uh, I'll, uh, a bookstore here at the end. Please support the show. Uh, I've got about 2,000 downloads so far on the show and uh, Anchor has paid me about 16 bucks, so I'm getting paid uh, just a couple cents um, per show at this juncture. If I keep on publishing, I'm sure it'll go up. And if you help support me, uh, if you think it's it's uh, you know worth uh, clicking my links to uh, support support these these endeavors and the knowledge that. Uh, is being passed here then please do so that'd be great would really appreciate it so hope you guys have a wonderful thanksgiving with your family and i'm grateful for you and this opportunity to do advocacy for powerful strategies like zero waste so thank you for listening and have a good 
day, week, and Thanksgiving. Much love.